Back to the beat. Bulls beat continues with Derek Sharp. Two walk-off wins for softball. One was substantially more incredible than the other, but they all counted for a sweep. We will get that to you in just a little bit. I want to tell you about the women's tennis victory on Saturday. Tennis defeats Tulane, which came in below 500 and, well, looked like they were going to beat the Bulls. They won the doubles point, and the Bulls lost four first sets, which meant, well, they were going to have to win four matches, so they were going to have to turn some stuff around, and man, did they ever. Number one player Sierra Berry and number two player Grace Schumacher both lost their first sets and were taken to tiebreakers. If the Bulls lose both of those tiebreakers, this thing is done. But Barry and Schumacher both win them convincingly 7-2 and take their third set 6-2. Meanwhile, number three player, Laura Pellisse, had already won her match quickly, thankfully, 6-3, 6-4. And one of the other players who lost their first set, Marta Falsetto Font, 7-5, came back, didn't need a tiebreaker. 6-2, 6-1 was her final score. That was a tight one. And the Bulls have two matches left in the regular season at UCF on Thursday and then at home, Senior Day, Saturday against Memphis. We've been telling you about the rise of the team. They've won 9 of 10. Their record is very solid at 13 and 6. However, it's just not going to be enough to get an at-large to the NCAA tournament. They are too far away from the bubble, even if they beat UCF. They are probably going to have to win, almost certainly going to have to win the AAC tournament. But as far as seeding goes, it's very interesting. It's Kind of what we've been talking about with baseball and softball where, okay, you're probably not going to supplant the favorite, the in case of baseball, East Carolina Pirates, in the case of softball, Wichita State Shockers. But if you get into that 2-3 spot, at least you avoid the 4-5 situation of having to play the one seed. Well, UCF is going to be the one seed almost certainly for the conference tournament. But the good news for the Bulls is they are locked into either the 2 or the 3 spot. That's a given, and if they're in the 3 spot – They are going to get a substantially lower-ranked team in their quarterfinal match, and then they would probably, if you just want to spin it forward, have to take down SMU, a team that has beaten the Bulls this year in the semis, and then who knows. So they're in a spot to be the three-seed in the conference tournament. That is big stuff for women's tennis. Men's tennis is going to be maybe lower down the seedings because they dropped underneath UCF. Why? It was tough. Warren I-4 goes to the visitors on Friday at the USF Tennis Courts, last home match of the season. Bulls were hoping for a dramatic win. All the elements were there except for the darn third set tiebreakers. The Bulls fall to 12 and 11. This was unusual because after an incredibly close doubles point, you had two matches go to a tiebreaker and the Bulls win them both eight to six. So they had the doubles point. And at that point, you just have to split the six singles matches. And they couldn't quite pull it off, but i got to say UCF was dominant on the top three courts, all straight sets. So the Bulls were going to have to win each of the other three matches. And their two Australians at five and six singles both did. Elijah Cham, 6'4", 6'3". Thomas Pavlikovich-Smith, 6'2", 7'6". So Bruno Oliveira, who lost his first set in a tiebreaker, needed to force a third. And when he did against an actual ranked opponent, by the way. UCF is pretty strong. They're below 500 overall, but they played an incredible schedule. So Bruno Oliveira was in the last match, and everyone was watching this set. And, of course, it went the distance to a tiebreaker, and UCF gets it by the score of 8-6. to six. 
tight as it can be, the Bulls have been there with every single team in the conference. So, yes, it hurts their seeding. It definitely crushes their chances for an at-large to the NCAA tournament. But they can also just as definitely make a run, you would think, at the USTA Varsity Courts, which is in Lake Nona off the interstate and is hosted by UCF in a couple weeks. In fact, as a smart bit of scheduling, the Bulls will play their final regular season match on those courts against Tulsa this coming Friday. So much more on tennis later in the week. Again, the conference tournament is next week. Both the men and the women at the USTA National Campus. Not a bad place to hold that event. And next week, both golf conference tournaments taking place, both hosted by the Bulls. So yeah, it's going to be kind of a consequential week. We've got baseball and softball going on. Actually, softball this week is off conference play. More on that in a little bit, but they look like they were headed to a pretty good third weekend in league action after winning the first game 7 to nothing, highlighted by Gabrielle Lenore's CG and a couple of blasts here. Oh, lines that ball going deep to left field. That's got a chance. Center fielder has a track on it, and oh, she dropped it. What an, It goes over the wall. Wow. What an effort by Morgan. And you'll get a subdued reaction here. In fact, Ken Erickson is going to walk out straight to center field to attend to the player, Haley Morgan. And it is a home run. Garcia, runners on second and third for her. Full count pitch. Gets it deep to right field. That's got a chance. It's gone. Kathy Garcia laces that ball out of here. And it's 7-0 Bulls. Garcia had three hits, three RBI, three runs. Pond also drove in three for the Bulls. And, yeah, that was a strange first home run call because you can't exactly yell and scream when the other player is down and out. As it turned out, Haley Morgan, who is their center fielder and 4-11 hitter, missed the rest of the weekend with the concussion. Yet Tulsa was battling in game two. Bulls only managed one run in their first three innings despite getting two on base all three times, and it caught up to them because Tulsa tied it up in the fifth inning on an RBI single by Kaylin Bearpaw. This was against Vivian Pawn, who came on in relief of Jaden Martinez. Martinez, the first three innings, and then Pawn, who had not gone more than two in a game all year, again, mostly is their designated hitter, did a fine job. And then it was Gabby Norrie finishing up with the final two innings, and even though the Bulls really could never get solid contact against Tulsa starter Kylie Nash, who only struck out one, walked five, they got enough for the win as they came through. Two outs, bottom of the eighth. This has got to be Nash's last inning. Let's hope it's her last batter of the game. And the team rolled through the right side, and it's off the glove of the second baseman! And Dwight's going to come around, and the Bulls are going to win! Oh, man! Jones had every chance to field that ball, but it goes off her glove, and the Bulls walk it off. Credit to Marissa Tribalpiece, who was the only one that really made solid contact, and it was foul balls. That was just their third hit, but Tribalpiece had walked, and Natalie Zweig had pinch run for her and came around on the Galigani hit off their second baseman. Well, on Saturday, Tulsa was catching everything. There was some fluky stuff happening. Here are several, in fact, a handful of examples of uh, the Bulls are being kept not only off the board, but off the hit column. Even if Moore wins this battle, it's a great start for the Bulls. Three and two. And Hanlon drills it, but they had her played shallow, and it's a nice diving catch out there by Denson. Two and two. And she has that ball, but it's covered by the third baseman. And 
Boy, they have been hitting some lines, but that one turns into a 5-3 double play, and you really can't blame Garcia for being off with that shot because it was a shot. Old Tribal Peace does hit one hard. First baseman almost makes a great play and gets the play at first. Wow. Ranging high to almost snag it out of the air, which would have been spectacular in its own right, was Vickery. Couldn't catch it. Spots the ball. Fortunately for Tulsa, it did not get too far away from her. Lines that ball, and that gets tagged off the first baseman and rolls right to the second baseman. Mild frustration, not full frustration setting in, but definitely mild frustration for the Bulls thus far. And no score through two innings. We thought her pitch count was going to rise above 20, but she got a line double play to end it at 18 pitches. She has thrown 35 in her first three innings. And only Hanlon, that one's got to be a hit, and it's not. It goes, it looked like over the head of Jones, and she was able to somehow five foot three. Snag that ball. She looks six foot three on that catch, and there's one away. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was one of those. And then Gabby Nori was doing a great job of getting out of the only jam that she faced. Actually, an error on a bun after they let off with the single, but she escapes it with the K. Oh, she got a defensive jam as well. We should mention that. Oh, that ball is grounded to short, and Kathy Garcia. Oh, gets her! What a play! Garcia has a cannon of an arm, but that she was being pulled into the center of the diamond and against her body, threw it all the way across. I will always be honest, and I will tell you, if replay was available for this game, that probably gets overturned, but that doesn't take away the spectacular nature of the play. And oh, by the way, Tulsa, I think on the right side of the replay situation, because first of all, to its full credit, four runs off Nori in the top of the fifth inning. A three-run blast by their catcher, Riley Keith, capping it off. And before we get to the replay portion, I definitely, especially after that rob of Hanlon, gave it the old jinx on the air and on Twitter about Tulsa's Mara Moore having a no-hitter going. And this was the next batter for the Bulls after all of that. One and one, meanwhile, to travel piece. And good luck that not being a hit. <laughs> wow, I can't believe I jinxed it. Tribal piece says, you ain't catching that one. And it's four to one. Man, oh man, did Marissa crush that one. Her fourth home run. She's just been amazing for the Bulls this year. What a pickup. After a real slow start, she has been the most reliable run driver in her for the Bulls. Kathy Garcia is starting to catch up. Speaking of runs driving in and replay, this was kind of a sequence where we thought the comeback was going to happen, and within an instant, another amazing play, and it even got worse if you're USF. And that ball is drilled deep to center field. They jump on it for Kramer, and it is caught. They did tag at third base, and they're going to say that she left early, and she did. Wow. That is incredible. That absolutely looked like it was over the head of Kramer. Ken Erickson vastly disagrees that the runner left early, but that is just an unbelievable double play. It should have been a bases clearing double. And this game should be tied. That for sure, but at the very least, it should have been four to two with still just one out and runners on first and second. ESPN Plus did a phenomenal job on the replay showing a split screen synced up that without a shadow of a doubt showed that Piero tagged up, did not leave early. And by the way, even if she left a half second early, she was crossing home plate as the ball was being caught at second base. They weren't going to throw her out. It was deep to center. Not that the umpire should take that in consideration, but there's no chance that she gets thrown out if she left 
a second after the ball was caught. So there's that, and then Lydia Castro lines one to the pitcher, Kylie Nash, who throws the ball down like, yeah, I got him. Well, all she did was walk three and give up what could have been a bases-clearing double. And It just felt like this is going to be kind of a, not kind of a, a really frustrating loss. And then the bottom of the seventh happened, and all of those balls that were getting caught were not. Enjoy. Bryant taps one just in front of catcher. They've got it covered late. That's safe. Absolutely that's safe. All the close calls that are going Tulsa's way. No dice there. Three and one. Sierra lines it. Could get through the middle, and it does. They will send one run home, and it's four to two. Emily Hamlin comes up. Lines it. That could be headed up the middle. It does. They are going to hold the runner. That's smart by Ken Erickson. If that's the tying run, you send her on home. One and two. Oh, it's drilled, and of course, right to the right fielder. What a catch out there in right field, and Hallie Bryant did tag in time to make it four to three. Sheehan, it's up to her. Chops it, and it's gonna get to the second baseman, off the bag, runner comes around third, and we're tied! An amazing defensive play, but they can't get the force. That would have been the best if they had gotten it into an out. It was fielded, but both second baseman and shortstop went for the ball. And so there was no one to flip to there. One and one to Eigenman. Lines it, third baseman has a tough, it goes to short and, oh, hands are safe, and the balls win! Wood had the best play at that ball. Once it got by her, game was over. That whole inning took about 25 minutes and took us over the start of the baseball game. I was calling dueling play-by-play. You can enjoy that a couple times on Monday, and we'll replay it often, but that was big for the Bulls. They now, with that win, I mentioned it earlier, how you want to avoid that 4-5 spot because Wichita State's going to be the one seed. We'll get more into this on our, I'm sure, Wednesday doubleheader broadcast. So, yeah, I'll go ahead and announce it. I'll be driving over to DeLand to call the next action for the Bulls, a doubleheader against Stetson. But their 6-3 and three conference record, the fact that they were able to sweep Tulsa, which was a candidate to finish in the top three, and the fact that Houston lost a game to East Carolina and hasn't had to play UCF for Wichita yet, I'm telling you, the Bulls are going to finish second or third. It'll probably come down to their series in Orlando, who gets the two seed and who gets the three seed. But the point is, that sweep puts them in a good spot. NCAA tournament-wise, I'm thinking they're probably going to have to beat UCF twice between the series in Orlando and maybe in a conference tournament semifinal in Tampa, but we're ways away from that. Track and field, full results up on GoUSFBulls.com. More school top 10 marks, nine victories at an event the Bulls hosted this weekend. That'll wrap up Bulls Beat. Thanks for dropping by. I'm Derek Sharp.